Parsha Themes is for inspired people like you who are looking for engaging and relevant Parsha and Moedim thoughts. Our weekly discussions focus on uplifting thoughts and actionable ideas that will upgrade your Avodah Hashem and enhance your Shabbos and Yantav table. I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Tropper, and it's an honor to have you with me here today. We're looking at Parsha's Vayechi, focusing on the Ramban, in this last segment on Safer Bracious. And for those of you that have been here since the beginning, thank you so much. Your comments are always appreciated. Questions, whether you agree or disagree, let's share a couple of thoughts from the beautiful Ramban. In the opening Pusik, Perak Mem Zion, Pasuk Chavches, it tells us that Yaakov went down to Mitzrayim and lived there for 14 years, the last 14 years of his life. And the Ramban comments uh, something that he had mentioned in Mikates when Yaakov came down with his family, that Yaakov's travels down to Mitzrayim represents our Gullus through the Chaya Haravias, the fourth animal in Daniel's dream, which is Romi, Rome, the descendants of Esav. The fulfillment, like the Ramban explained, of Acharbachatichia, that they live by their sword, and it's pretty obvious to see how the Roman Christians, Esav, our cousins, have taken over the world and still rule today. And Bnei Yaakov themselves caused this Gullus to happen because they sold Yosef, and Yaakov had to go down because of the Rav, and the brothers were all forced to live in that Mitzrayim. And, and Yaakov died in Gullus. Of course, his sons buried him in which was his last request, but he himself did not make it. And the Gullus went on and on. And so too, our last Gullus, a very, very long one. And again, the Ramban is teaching us that we need to look in the Chumash to learn the lessons of the Chumash itself and to understand so many things about life around us. And he explains a lot more. You can take a look over there. Perak Memches Pasuk Zion, the Ramban is apologizing to Yosef for having buried Rachel, his mother, on the road and not in Mars And Rashi says that I didn't even take her to base Lechem, to bring her into the land. And the Ramban says, well, what's Rashi saying? She's not buried in Chutz Laaretz. Why are you saying the word Laaretz? Certainly, she was buried in Eretz Israel. She wasn't buried in Hebron, in Maris Machpelah, but she certainly is buried in Eretz Israel. Anyone that's ever been to Kever Rachel, that's in Eretz Israel. If you look at the Ra'im, he explains that all Rashi meant with the word Laaretz uh, was that I didn't bury her through in an area of settlement where other people live. I buried her on the road. That's all it means, just not in the inhabited area. And the Sefer Taurus Moshe on the Ramban explains that Eretz Yisrael was only Niskadesh when Yoshua conquered it. And however, the only way that Eretz Yisrael was considered Kadosh in the time of the Avos was if they bought a plot and owned it. So for example, Avraham was very um, enthusiastically uh, determined to buy Maris Machpelah. This would be Niskadesh as a place of Eretz Yisrael, and then he buried Sarah there. And so then it was considered Eretz Yisrael. However, since Yaakov buried her on the road, he wasn't Kona of the area, it was Hefker, and so it was never in the Scottish. So, so to a certain degree, until Yoshua conquered the land, it was considered Chutzlaretz. Just an interesting thought. Then the Ramban continues, though, and brings down the Rashi, says that, I know, Yosef, that you might be a little upset at me, but you should know that it was Alpia Dibor that I buried her here because her sons will pass by and she will cry for them when they're on their way to Gullus. So 
the Ramban explains that there needs to be a remez in the Pasuk about this Agadita. And so that's what it means. So I buried her on the road. Why does it say that extra word, baderech? It's stressing that it's on the road so that her children, her descendants, will be able to go into, when they're in Gullis, they'll be able to cry, and Rachel Zuchus will be able to help them. And the Torah doesn't usually uh, express things in the future, but it does hint to things that are in the past, things that will happen in the future. There's another interesting comment of the Ramban that says that, you know, why is it that Rachel died, in fact? And he explains that, like he explained earlier, that the Avos kept the Torah in Eretz Yisrael. And so it was at this point, when they were on their way to, back to Eretz Yisrael, that one of the Imos, either Rachel or Leah, who were two sisters, would have to die because they weren't allowed to be married. Yaakov was not allowed to be married to two sisters. And so therefore, since Leah had been married first, so she came beheter, but Rachel was the second one married. Yaakov ba'avasa also loved her. And also, the neder asher nadrla, because he promised to her that he would marry her. Um, and so therefore, she was on the dead to die. There are other Rishonim that argue with this Ramban. It's an interesting comment. And they say that Yaakov had been betrothed to uh, Rachel first. And so really, according to that, Leah should have died. And there's even a Lushan in the Siyuni, which is an early uh, Rishon that brings down esoteric Midrashim, uh, that he writes explicitly that Rachel was married Beheter for the Avoda. And uh, there was a condition there. However, the precious Drachim has a whole discussion whether that betrothal meant anything. And maybe perhaps since the Avos or the Shvatim didn't have a status of um, full-fledged Jews to a certain degree, that maybe there were B'nai Noah in certain ways. So it didn't really count until he took home Rachel. But suffice it to say, it's a whole discussion. But the Ramban says explicitly that since Leah had been Beheter, therefore Rachel had to die. Moving right along to Perak Memches, Pasig so, Yosef was very upset that Menashe was not given the proper honor. And the Ramban suggests that maybe Yosef, when he saw that his father was putting Ephraim in front of Menashe, uh, maybe he loved Menashe more, because he was his Bukhar. And, however, the Ramban says he doesn't like that shot, and he thinks that the shot is that if Yaakov seemed to be making this mistake, that he's putting Ephraim before Menashe, then perhaps the whole bracha is not going to count because this will be a bracha das. It will be a bracha without proper settlement of mind. And therefore, it wouldn't count. But therefore, Yaakov said back to him, Yadati bini, Yadati, I know what I'm doing, and I know that the bracha is going to work, because I'm, I'm doing this on purpose. So, interesting two points. First of all, just this first suggestion that maybe he loved Menashe more. So again, we find that Yosef was obviously a little bit concerned about jealousy between brothers, because he knows how much damage that caused him about putting Ephraim before Menashe. But ultimately, Yaakov knew Baruch HaKodesh that Ephraim was a greater tzaddik and deserved more credit. But the second point is an important point in life, which is when we make brachas to Hashem, and we give brachas to people, we want to be as mindful and present as possible because that allows the bracha to take place. And things, just like it says by going to the mikvah, that if a person goes to the mikvah and doesn't have the right kavana, now again, this is not halacha lamaisa, but tabal, and he didn't have the right das, so ikra din, um, it doesn't count. Now, we might say, you know, well, what did you have in mind? Obviously, you had a mind to be matar, but a person should always think that they're trying to be matar. And so too in life, if you want to be matar yourself, it should be done consciously because a bracha given or anything that we do without kavana uh, doesn't have the same value. Moving on to the brachas that 
Yaakov gave his children, which were just a recognition of their greatness and their strengths. Perak Mem Tes Pasuk Dalad. It says, Shimon Velevi Achim, they are brothers. And uh, different Shatim had to translate this. But the Ramban starts off and says, well, obviously they're brothers. What's the point? But it means Bali Achva, that they acted like brothers. Because how do they act like brothers? They defended their sister. They were upset that Dina was violated and they stood up. So they acted like brothers. And so he was trying to be Malamid Zachus, that even though he was upset about what they did and he didn't agree with their actions and they never consulted him, and he felt that it actually was a bad thing that they did, but he gave them credit that Achim, you acted like brothers because you defended your sibling, you defended your family. And that's something that uh, he had respect for. Interesting ha'ara. Yeah, uh, the Ramban talks about the chait of the Chashmanam, la yasr shevet Yehuda, mechokek mevein raglav, and we'll talk more about that in Hanukkah. We'll save that for later, God willing. The last thought is a very interesting one, uh, where you see how the Mepharshim spend uh, much time trying to understand a single Pasuk in the Torah. And more than that, it's just there, there are so many different ways to read these Pesukim, and it's just fascinating. So Yaakov gives the brachos, and he gets to Yosef. Of course, that's my namesake. Um, and he says, Ben Poras Yosef, Ben Poras Aliyayin. And the Ramban takes on Rashi's pshat in this uh, Pasuk and does not like it. And he challenges it, brings down... Uh, two other pshatim, and then he brings down his own pshat um, and says a very interesting thought. So Rashi explains ben, ben Poras Yosef means Yosef is a son of grace. A charming son Yosef is. A charming son upon the eye. That's how Rashi would read the Pasuk. Um, and Rashi explains that the word Poras means, comes from the um, work, the, the word that we find in Chazal, Ephrion Nemtuyele Rebbe Shimon. Let us extend our graces to Rebbe Shimon. Um, and therefore, that's that's what the word uh, means. It's a ben chen. Yosef is a person with uh, lots of charm. However, uh, the Ramban is not happy with this shot on two main objections. One of them is he says that that the word Ephrion is uh, a Greek or Persian language, and so the Torah wouldn't be using that word. Um, and in fact, if you look at Rashi himself in Maseches Nida on Chafim and Beis, he actually says Ephrion is actually a Greek word. So it's very odd, says the Ramban, that the Torah would be using that word. And also contextually, he says that the word, um, the word actually, uh, poras in, in according to Rashi, would actually mean um, benefit or increase. It wouldn't. It wouldn't actually mean charm. Of course, Rashi will have his answers for both of these. That you know, it's a Greek word, but uh, the Torah itself uh, perhaps is some source for it. Um, as we find, there are a lot of words that are foreign languages. But we, we've talked about this in the past. Um, and also, Rashi would probably explain that. The word benefit and charm are very, very similar. Anyway, so then the Ramban brings down from um, the Unkelis that he translates it um, in a different manner. And he trans translates it as coming from the word poria, fruitful. That the Pasuk is saying Yosef was being complimented by Yaakov that even though Ben Poras Yosef, Ben Poras Ali Ayan, you are a very fruitful person, despite being um, from the younger of the tribes, you have a lot of descendants. And so that's what it was expressing, that he was very fruitful. Another shot is from the Radak, which is interesting. Um, the, the Radak quotes Ibn Janach and Ibn Chiyaz. And actually, Radak himself doesn't like their interpretation, but the Ramban quotes this part from the Radak, that it means the word sapling, that the word ben means sapling. So, for example, like the Pasuk says, So your right hand planted, 
and the sapling that you strengthen for yourself. And Tehillim, capital, uh, pay. And so that's what it's saying. Yosef is a sapling with many, many hands that have grown out of that sapling. And that, again, his family has grown. And then Ramban says, well, my pshat is that the word ben, ben poras, actually means son, not plant in that way. But it's saying that uh, Yosef is a son who, like the um, branches of a tree that are planting along a spring, ben poras ale ayin means the spring, not like Rashi translates it as um, nice to look at, charming to look at, but as Chazal also hinted at, but rather he is like a spring. And the Ramban says that he very much likes this shot for many reasons, but one of the main ones he says is because these um, extending uh, saplings are hinting to Menashe and Ephraim. Yaakov Avinu didn't want to explicitly say their names because there's only 12 Shvatim, and in this bracha, Levi was already counted, so the only way you count Ephraim and Menashe is if you leave out Levi and Yosef and then you replace them. Um, so in this case, it wasn't, it wasn't good to be said, um, but it's a hint to Ephraim and Menashe, and the Ramban likes that. And so again, we know that Ephraim and Menashe carried on the legacy of Yosef. To a certain degree, Ephraim and Menashe uh, represented the idea of you had Ephraim, who was the Talmud Chacham of the family. And of course, not to say that Menashe was not, but he was kind of like the Yaakov of the family. And the negative aspects of Esau, the distractibility, uh, was similar to Menashe, but Menashe was a businessman, but he, Menashe had different aspects um, that were similar to Esau's potential, but that was channeled Latov. And so in Yosef, uh, Esau was Nisakain. Um, as uh, Yaakov had taken over that mission. Ramban says that's why you find the idea of Yosef being compared to a Shar and her aim. They correspond to Ephraim and Menashe. And it also talks about their horns, because again, a horn is something that starts off as one, like Yosef, but then splits into two, Ephraim and Menashe. And we know that this friction between Ephraim and Menashe represents a friction between the Jewish people, but that it's resolved, and that represents the resolution of a Jewish people coming together. Uh, one last interesting point, which is not based on Ramban, but just talking about Ephraim and Menashe. If you think about the two names of Ephraim and Menashe, so Ephraim, Yosef named him that because Gefrani, Hashem Be'eretz Ani, Hashem made me fruitful in, in this land of where I'm poor and away from my family. And Menashe was the first child. He was named so because Hashem made me forget the Tsaras of my past. And if you think about it, there's a very deep point here, which I've seen brought down by a lot of people but that Yosef was able to be productive because he didn't hold on to the negative of the past. He was able to say that I forgot all the negative that all the negative treatment that I received from my brothers and all the trials and tribulations that I went through, and I'm going to heal and become a healthy person. And therefore, that made him, Kiafrani, that made him be able to be a productive person in life. When we hold on to our past resentments, they hold us back, and they cause us tremendous distress and grief. But when we let go, that's how we become healthy and respectful people. And that could be one of the reasons that the Ramban is hinting that it's so important to talk about Ephraim and Menashe. Thanks for joining us. For more Torah content and to make sure you never miss an episode, don't forget to subscribe and visit us at ParshaThemes.com.